For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. And I'm actually excited to talk about this loss to the Phoenix Suns as Denver loses 193. Obviously, you don't have your main guys. Obviously, it is really, really difficult to win a game against Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and the Phoenix Suns, second night of a back-to-back. Uh, there's a lot of built-in excuses here. There's no reason for Denver to be uh, super upset about this one. And I am I'm perfectly okay with it if I'm the Nuggets. I think that this was a good showing for them. And they learned a little bit about themselves. They learned a little bit about everybody else on their roster. And, and guys up and down the roster, which was pretty cool, I think. Uh, so really exciting for this Nuggets team, despite the fact that, yeah, I know Nuggets fans are a little bit upset about everything. Uh, <laughs> Hurricane, what's up, Hurricane? I, I, I appreciate the love. That is that is a funny comment right there. Um, <laughs> uh, your, your guys are going to have uh, to head to the, YouTube, or to the YouTube live chat in order to see what Hurricane just typed. That absolute fiend. On in the YouTube comments. I, I really appreciate all the friendly faces that are in here all the time. Hurricane's here. Rich is here. Fernando's here. Uh, love to see the common folks that, that always come out and hang. Uh, Jovan from Serbia, Belgrade, Serbia. Thanks so much for tuning in, dude. I really appreciate that. Uh, just me tonight. Michael Ferrero has the night off, so bear with me on some of the production stuff. I'm going to do my best, but this Nuggets team... Look, it wasn't going to be their best showing. I don't think that anybody was kidding themselves when they saw that Jokic, Murray, MPJ, KCP all showed up as questionable on the second night of a back-to-back. And as it turns out, none of them flew with the team. Uh, I tried to, I think, dissuade people from thinking that they would uh, fly out with the team on this particular one because, look, it was game 77 of the season. Not necessarily the most important game for Denver. And honestly, there is a tactical advantage here for the Nuggets to not have to face the Phoenix Suns with their A-team, not have to be in that position where they have to go get a win. The Suns, they have to build chemistry. There's no doubt about it that they are at their, like, they're they're trying to find ways to get to their best. And there were definitely times tonight where I thought, man, they they look pretty, they, <laughs> God, okay. oh, good Lord. Uh, there were definitely times where I thought, that uh, I thought that the Suns looked great tonight. I thought that they had some really great moments creating offense for each other, playing some good, helpful defense, uh, rotating around. I think Kevin Durant's one of those guys that 
you forget how tall he is until you have to play against him. And Kevin Durant shot over the Nuggets, over, around, through, uh, just just did everything that, that he needed to do to help get the Suns this particular win. He scored 30 points on 15 shots. And some of them, like, they were tough shots. And we'll, we'll get to it. I think there were some good things that Aaron Gordon did. There were some good things that Peyton Watson did off the bench. Really impressive stuff from him. But lots of stuff to, I think, be positive about with this Nuggets team, even though that they they had a loss tonight. And it's their second loss in a row where the offense kind of looked hapless at times. But either way, let's get into it now. The starters, I think they did some good things and they did some bad things tonight. I thought that Aaron Gordon's approach when he was getting to the rim was really good. There's no doubt about it that Aaron Gordon is at his best when he is bulldozing his way to the basket. And it's hard to play that way. I think it was nice to see him play that way a little bit more tonight where he wasn't necessarily like he's getting back to that place physically where he can do it a little bit more consistently. And for him to do that tonight, look a little bit more aggressive than he did yesterday. It it was nice to see. It's nice to see in a matchup where he's going up against uh, guys that he's probably going to have to face in the playoffs, where he's going to have to go through Kevin Durant at times. He's going to have to make him work on the defensive end. He's going to have to make Devin Booker work on the defensive end. He's going to have to outmatch Josh Okoge or Torrey Craig or guys like that when, when he gets switched onto them. So he's going to have to be a pivot point for the Nuggets. Now, there are some good things with Aaron Gordon, and there are some bad things. The mid-range pull-ups, I think it was 0 of 7 on the night tonight, and that is not a good sign. He has never been really good with that mid-range pull-up and, and has it in occasion, but it's a thing that you break out on occasion, and I thought he went to it pretty frequently tonight because, well, he was the first option, and Denver needed somebody to take those shots. But in general, it does feel like uh, it, it just does feel like uh, Aaron is struggling with the shot. He did make a couple threes tonight, but the free throws are it's just a really frustrating thing where this is the worst he shot at the free throw line in his career. He is like he was 62% going into tonight and he went four of 10. There was one point where he was one of seven from the free throw line and then made three in a row. So that's encouraging. You, you like to see him finish strongly there. But anytime I'm, I'm finishing up and saying, oh, yeah, four of 10 was actually the best percentage that he shot on the night, that's not good. That's not a really, really good sign at all. So he is going to have to figure this out. And getting him into a good rhythm where he is confident at the line, where he is confident in himself, that's really important. He's talked about uh, a mental, the mental side of the game and confidence and having a coach on that side of things. And it makes me wonder whether he struggled with that in the past before, where like trying not to get to certain points, maybe he's losing confidence in various aspects of his game. I hope that he continues to approach it with the perspective of him being a really, really great basketball player because this is the worst it's ever been. And he has a higher level where he can get to. And I know that for a fact. So if he shoots upwards of 70% in the playoffs, I'm not going to be concerned. If it's in the 60s, you start to be a little bit shaky. But there are going to be nights where if he does go 4 of 10 or if teams start going hack at Aaron Gordon on the free throw line, uh, then if he gets 15, 16, 17 free throws in a game, if he only makes eight of them, then that 
allows others to kind of uh, other teams to kind of get back into the flow. And it maybe dissuades Aaron Gordon from being as aggressive going to the going to the rim, which is his best skill. So hopefully the pull-up twos are not a symptom of the problem where he's thinking about free throws, so he's pulling up. I hope that's not what it is. If that is what it is, then I'd be a little bit concerned. But Denver can't have him go Ben Simmons. Like that just cannot happen. It is a requirement that it does not happen. Even if he misses those shots, he has to stay aggressive. It, it cannot be a drag on his game. Let's go to actually, actually no, we'll, we'll stay with the starters. Um, Christian Brown was encouraging. Christian Brown, I thought he did a lot of good things tonight. Had some good moments where uh, he was defending, where he was driving. He went right through Kevin Durant on one drive to the rim. I'm not sure if Kevin Durant knew what he was going to do, but Kevin Durant's a really good defender, and he had some great moments tonight. One steal, two blocks. Had some really good moments against other guys, including Aaron Gordon. Christian Brown, though, went right through him on a possession. Seeing him have that confidence in that moment is a really, really big deal. Because you need you need to know that Christian Brown is there for those moments. Uh, he's another guy who kind of struggles at the free throw line. Missed another one tonight. Went two of three, but he did go one of two from three, and he did attack the rim very aggressively on the limited opportunities that he did. That's a good sign. Bruce Brown also pretty good. I, I liked what I saw from Bruce Brown, even though he didn't shoot efficiently. He was going towards the rim a lot of the time. If I look at his shot chart tonight, I'm going to just click on it here. Every shot outside of, there was one uh, deep two that he had and then two threes. Every other shot was in the paint. Most of the shots were in the restricted area. There were shots that he had outside of the restricted area. I think of of the six shots that he attempted outside of the restricted area, he only made one. There was one floater that he made. Where he is at his best is when he's going directly to the rim, where he is fighting through contact, drawing fouls, getting to the cup, using his athleticism and his wingspan. He's got like a 6'9 wingspan and might as well go hard to the rim. Like that's that's what he's supposed to do in those situations and does it pretty well. So I'm hopeful that that is something that it's it's more of a sign of things to come. I think he has progressed over the course of these last five games or so. He has been going to the floater a little bit less, going to the rim a little bit more, and that's an exciting thing. Now, he's going to have to hit the floater. I, I know that Nuggets fans, and, and I'm, I've been critical of the floater as well. Don't get me wrong. I know Nuggets fans don't necessarily want to see the floater all that often, but it is going to be something that he has to get to at times when teams are sagging off of him, when they are daring him to take it. Like he's going to have to make it. There's a difference though between taking the open floater and taking the contested floater where a a team knows that you're going to go to it and makes you shoot it a foot higher than you're supposed to. Uh, That's going to be something that he's going to have to get through. And he jumps high enough on those that he can get it off. But in my mind, it's not something that you should be hunting for. It should be a last resort shot not your first read. Like he's got to be doing a little bit more than that. Um, Reggie Jackson started off this game really well. He did not finish the game really well. Reggie Jackson missed eight shots tonight and all eight of them were three-pointers. 
Uh, six of 14 from the field. He was five of five from two. Had a couple floaters. Good floater shot. Good good stuff from Reggie Jackson. He had a mid-range two. Uh, I think he had a couple drives to the rim. But the three is the one that I'm looking at here. The Nuggets shot tonight six of 26 from the three-point line. If there is anything to still be very concerned about for this Nuggets team, it is that they do not get, uh, they do not take and make enough good threes. Six of 26 tonight, four of 28 last night. That is 10 of 54, which if you're keeping score at home is below 20%. That's not good. Denver's just got to be better than that. And, and they will be better than that, I do think. But we have seen a lot of regression from this team when they haven't been in good situations where Jokic has created every single shot for them, where he hasn't spoon-fed good looks for the starters. Uh, the bench has found ways where they can create some shots, where Murray can create some shots off the dribble. Uh, and then they get some shots in transition on, on occasion. But for the most part, they struggle to create those shots behind, beside them or be, by themselves. That's what I'm trying to say. It's late, guys. Uh, but I do think that we've seen some regression from Denver's three-point shooting. Porter's got to boost that. Murray's got to boost that. Jokic has to boost that. KCP has to get back to being better because KCP wasn't great. When you're losing, when you're missing all four of your top three-point shooters, though, I can understand why Denver's struggling at the three-point line especially tonight, but they had some wide open shots, just didn't make them. It is what it is. Uh, Reggie Jackson's going to be one of those guys. Like I thought that he was going to have a nice audition for tonight. As it turns out, that didn't really happen. But I do want to give DeAndre Jordan a shout out. 21 minutes tonight, 12 rebounds, three steals, one block, one turnover. Uh, Didn't shoot efficiently tonight. That wasn't his job, but he did do some good things. Like, Three steals and a block in 21 minutes is sick. 12 rebounds is sick. Him being able to make an impact in in that limited time frame is really good. More of the reason why Denver struggled around him was because they couldn't shoot around him and because they were kind of unwilling three-point shooters most of the night. So Denver's going to have to figure that out. Actually, Reggie Jackson was very willing, but just wasn't making it all. So Denver's got to be better in general from their starting group. But the bench group... um, was encouraging. Bench group was encouraging. I really liked what I saw from Peyton Watson. I liked what I saw from Blacko. I liked what I saw from Zeke. Ish Smith, he went one of 10 from the field. Missed some really easy shots that he usually hits. Um, Tried to shoot it over a center. Tried to shoot it over KD a couple times. Those didn't work. And then he would try to kind of rock back and forth and get to that elbow too that he's been making a lot for Denver and just missed it every time. So uh, it, it's got to be better. He will get better. Like, I mean, actually, he won't get better because I just don't think he's going to have a lot of opportunities. But look, if this is the final game that Ish Smith really plays for De- – actually, I, I can't say that because there will be games when Denver continues to rest down the stretch here where they won't play a ton. But um, we're just going to have to see. We're going to have to see about it. I, I doubt that he is going to play a ton. Um but I do want to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to get back to the bench and we're going to talk about Peyton Watson a little bit more and some of the great things that I saw from him. He's really exciting. He's somebody that Nuggets fans should feel really good about. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. Uh, make sure 
to strike gold with the tournament this March. Uh, you do not have to find the pot of gold. You can strike it yourself by winning money on tournament wagers with Superbook Sports. Superbook features some of the best odds makers in the business, so they are the safe bet when it comes to sports gambling. You have a direct line to their experienced staff behind the counter in Las Vegas. They also have one of the most extensive betting menus around. So no matter what you want to wager on come tournament time, Superbook is sure to have it. Download the Superbook Sports app and start winning today. This is Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem called 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back and pick X and roll. Pickaxe and Roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. If you can, give us a like on the YouTube side. If you're watching here, make sure to come hang out on the YouTube side. It's always fun. Even when we record at the late nights, I know everybody, they're just chilling on this Friday night, now Saturday morning, technically, because I record so late. Uh, I saw somebody ask on the last podcast, why do you record so late, Ryan? Well, it's because I have other things for Mile High Sports to do. I write the recap on the road recaps. And when that happens on an 8.30 game, then I am writing that thing. And it probably takes me about 30 to 45 minutes after the game to post it. And then I did my best. So this game finished up at about, what, 10.50, 11 o'clock or so. I Probably like 10.50. I finished it at about 11.30, 11.40, and then started this recording at 12.15. So Pretty quick turnaround, I will. I do say. I think I did a pretty good job with this. But either way, make sure to give this a like if you can, if you're watching this on the YouTube side. But now let's get back into the bench. Peyton Watson. I haven't seen a lot of Peyton Watson. He had 52 minutes on the season prior to this game. Had 27 tonight, including closing out the fourth quarter and playing basically all the way through. Going up against his idol, his mentor, and Kevin Durant, uh, they had connected in South California. Uh, really impressive stuff from Peyton Watson. Not necessarily from an offensive standpoint, although I can see the vision of what they're thinking of from an offensive standpoint. No, I'm thinking of from the defensive standpoint where I think everybody else is thinking that too, but the way that he moves and the way when he is fully engaged and trying to stop somebody. He's one of those guys that's six foot eight. Like I think he said he's about 215 now. I think that's what Calvin Booth said. But he's about 215. Somebody that's hard to move because of his size, because of his athleticism, but somebody who is quick enough to keep up with some of the smaller players and quick enough to contest at the top against a guy like Kevin Durant. Mirrored him really well, made some good plays, even if Kevin Durant hit the shots that he hit, he was 11 of 15 tonight and did some crazy things because that's who Kevin Durant is. But Peyton Watson is one of those guys that like you never know how much you're missing an archetype of a player until you actually see it. Aaron Gordon has been a little bit slow on the defensive end this year. I think he looks a little bit worn down in general, just having to battle and, and just be a, a physical beast on the inside as much as he has as he's been for most of the season. 
I do think that Peyton Watson looks young and spry and athletic and just kind of at a different phase of his career than Aaron Gordon is. And that's really interesting. That's an interesting thing to think about. But it was his defensive effort. It was his ability to contest shots on Kevin Durant and other guys to grab some of those rebounds. He had eight defensive rebounds on the evening, and some of those were very contested. Uh, it was really cool to see him be as much of an impact player as he was. The Nuggets were plus five in Peyton Watson's 27 minutes last night, or this like this night. And that means that they were minus 12 in the other 21 minutes. And that basically, I think, mirrors what the starters were doing. I, I don't think that he shared the floor with DeAndre Jordan that much tonight. DeAndre Jordan was a minus eight. Peyton Watson was a plus five. Very rare that those guys really overlapped. And I think that's where you see the break. But not really DeAndre Jordan's fault. I just he's kind of representative of the starters in in general. But Peyton looked really good, and and he looks like a guy who still has a long way to go on the offensive end. But if you're just looking for defensive reps, if you're looking for somebody to throw into a nine or ten man rotation where you're just trying to get through a regular season, he strikes me as a guy that's going to be ready for that as long as he's physically and mentally engaged. If he has a responsibility to guard somebody else, then he seems like a guy who can do it. Now, we'll see what happens. I don't think that he's ready for that this year heading into the playoffs. There's no way that he's going to be a playoff guy. There's zero way. Do not, like, you can come back to me on that and say, hey, Brian, I told you so. He was in the playoffs and he won game two for them. I don't believe it. Uh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But in general, really cool to see Peyton Watson play well. Really cool to see him do his thing. And it's nice to see Denver have a, a positive moment with the draft picks that they had. I know that Christian Brown has had a really good moment, but Ismail Kamigate had some good moments overseas. And now Peyton Watson is finally having his good moments in the NBA this year. So really cool to see. Uh, Zeke Naji, I also thought, did really, really well tonight. Not his best from an offensive standpoint as well, but he did have three offensive boards, had a really bad turnover after one of those offensive boards, trying to pass it back to the perimeter, just not very patient. But he hit a three tonight, and that's always good to see. Uh, also, like he's just he makes himself available on some of these shots, and there's a reason why he got eight shots up tonight. That was good. That was a really, really good thing for him to do. All right. Let's go back to the Phoenix Suns, because I think this is where this matchup is really intriguing. Obviously, when you don't play starters versus starters, bench versus bench, it's hard to have major takeaways from the perspective of this. But I do think, oh, Woj just tweeted, by the way, that the Nuggets, or not the Nuggets, the NBA and the NBPA have now agreed to a new collective bargaining agreement for seven years. So that's cool. I'll uh, I'll cover that in a future podcast episode. Um, but yeah, so Denver matching up with Phoenix. It was interesting to see Phoenix this time, and I I was I came away really impressed with them, despite the fact that they gave up a lead. Like I think that Denver was impressive against the Philadelphia 76ers. I do not hold it against them that against the Sixers C team that they lost the lead that they did. I think the same can be said for the Suns, where the things that they needed to do, I think, went pretty well. Uh, did DeAndre Ayton have a good night? No, but he was a plus 28 in 28 minutes. 
Um, Devin Booker had 27 points on 20 shots. Durant had 30 points on 15 shots. They did only score 100 points, though. And the one thing that I think you can really say about the Suns is that usually they are not a team that turns the ball over. Usually they are a team that limits those opportunities, that maximizes every single spot on the floor, gets to the free throw line, gets uh, like they make the threes that they take. They don't take a lot of them, but they take a lot of mid-rangers and they make a lot of those. They did that tonight. They didn't really finish at the rim that well tonight. I thought there were moments where they looked like they struggled against DeAndre Jordan, Aaron Gordon, Zeke Naji, Peyton Watson, guys like that. Um, and that's interesting. That's at least something to file away a little bit. Do I think that Jokic and Murray and MPJ are going to provide more rim protection? Absolutely not. I think it will be worse. Uh, but it is something that if you can prevent DeAndre Ayton from having an elite night, like a lot of times DeAndre Ayton will go 9 of 11 or 10 of 12 or uh, just just have this really impressive night from a shooting perspective against Jokic. I think that DeAndre Jordan, Zeke Naji, they did a really good job against him. I think Zeke did a really good job against him in the post. And that's an encouraging sign. So file that away for a potential playoff series. Now, do I think that Aiton will match his minutes with Jokic? Yes. Is there something that Denver can do to affect that? Yes. We will see what happens, but that's at least something to think about. Uh, Chris Paul, 2 of 9 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3, 13 assists, 5 turnovers. A good ratio, not a great ratio, not a Chris Paul ratio. Uh, Kevin Durant, 2 assists, 3 turnovers. Devin Booker, 6 assists, 4 turnovers. Those guys combined for 12 turnovers as a as a collective, so that's at least interesting to file away. Denver played with good aggression. They had good length, athleticism, and switchability on the perimeter a lot of the time. Christian Brown made some good plays. Bruce Brown made some good plays. Peyton Watson made some good plays. That's at least encouraging to think about. And actually, DeAndre Jordan made some good plays with his hands. That is something that Jokic can do. So there is a way in my mind, to at least slow down the Suns' offense. It is to get them to turn the ball over a little bit more. In addition, you have to hope that Josh Okogie doesn't go four or five from three. Four or five is a really high number, and he went four or five tonight. That is tough. That's, of course, a really, really tough number. Um, it's, it's a home game for them. This is why home court advantage for Denver is really important, because usually role players do not shoot as well in road situations as they do in home situations where they are more comfortable. Uh, That is not always true. That is not always a thing that will play out. It's just a thing that is often more true. So Denver's still going to have to do the requisite work. They're still going to have to make those shots more difficult. They're going to have to have a crowd that is yelling and screaming and going crazy whenever Josh Okogie gets an open three. Because if he goes one of five in this game, the Nuggets win. Like, Mathematically, there'd be 93 to 91 Nuggets, which is insane. So the margins for Denver, they're actually fine. Like the pace of the game was pretty high. The offensive ratings for both teams were pretty bad. And the fact that Denver was able to defend the way that they were, despite the fact that Kevin Durant had 30 points on 15 shots, I do think that's encouraging. Now, is Terrence Ross going to go 0 of 3? Is Campaign going to go 0 of 5? Is the bench for the Suns going to always give 
16 points? No. They'll probably be a little bit better at times, but I do think that this shows some weakness within the Suns, where they have a a special few players that they really trust, and the rest of the team is uh, kind of filling in the gaps. Like, they could be good, but there are times where they're not. Like, Bismack Biombo tonight was a minus 21. He did have three blocks. He had six rebounds on the offensive end and eight rebounds total, but he still wasn't super impactful for them. Uh, that's the guy that they had as their backup center. So there are going to be opportunities for Denver to really make up some ground here and to really find ways to be impactful. Uh, I think that this is at least a fascinating thing going into a potential playoff series against the Suns. The Nuggets don't have to be a great defense against the Suns in order to win. I do think that they have to slow them down at least a little bit. And tonight gives me at least a little bit of possibility that they could slow them down. Are they going to? Is Michael Porter capable of stopping Devin Booker or Kevin Durant in isolation? I don't know. Are those guys going to go 50% from the field in those situations? 60% from the field? 70% from the field? Are they going to get to the free throw line? I don't know. But those are the margins that Denver's going to have to really manage. Chris Paul, if he goes two of nine from the field, is a lot different than going nine of nine from the field, which is basically what he did in the last playoffs that he played against Denver, as well as the last playoffs that he played against New Orleans in that first round that helped get them through it. Uh, Obviously, he slowed down in the Dallas series, and that really helped Dallas win that series. That really helped him because he was, I think, tired at the end of that run. Fernando says, Bruce Brown looked good on Booker tonight. He did. There were some moments where he didn't. There were some moments where he kind of let him run into an open three, uh, let him get to an open spot. But it wasn't all of them. And Christian Brown also had a moment where he just kind of gave him baseline, gave him a, a really easy baseline drive, and it wasn't great. But I think those moments were one-offs. They weren't necessarily the predominant thing. Sometimes Devin Booker just hit great shots. Sometimes he he did some great things, and I think it was more in the first half than it was in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was 7 of 12 in the first half, if I remember, and he that means he was 2 of 8 in the second half. So he will go through some cold spells. He is not infallible. Kevin Durant, I think, is unimpeachable. It's going to be really hard to slow that guy down. But can you slow down Devin Booker a little bit? Can you get him to take 20 shots? And if Kevin Durant is only taking 15, then you have a chance? Absolutely. And maybe that's a formula. Maybe that's the way that Denver slows some guys down. Uh, But look, with Jokic and Murray and Porter and KCP, Denver's offense is going to be great. DeAndre Ayton is really good, especially against Jokic. I think he has the combination of size and athleticism to give Jokic some trouble, but not enough trouble. And the last time those guys went against each other, I'm pretty sure it was like 45, 15, and 15 to Jokic had. So it is not like, it's not like he can't do it. It's not like in a situation where he's a little bit less exhausted than he was this past, uh, the, during the 2021 playoffs. It's not like he can't do those things. You got to hope that he can do them enough to slow down the Suns. Because if the Suns have a 125 offensive rating, 
it's going to be a little bit different than the offensive rating which they put up tonight, which I think was around 100, if I'm not mistaken. So really cool to see the Nuggets play the way that they played. Really cool to see the Nuggets do what they did. And if KCP and Bruce Brown can figure some stuff out, uh, as Response Curve says here, if they can slow down Devin Booker at least a little bit, then that'll be helpful. Jamal Murray, going to have to step up in that matchup when he goes guard-to-guard screen. Michael Porter, when he goes guard-forward screen and tries to switch him on there, going to have to step up in those situations. But if KCP and Bruce Brown can hold him down, at least in those normal minutes, then the margins are there for Denver to win that series. It's, it's not like they can't do it. If you win your home games, you win the series. If you defend home court, you win. I don't see any reason why Denver can't do that. Now, is it going to be tough? Hell yeah, absolutely. Those guys, those guys are crazy good. They are really, really good. I think the Nuggets are crazy good too. And Nuggets fans, I think, have to remember that one. So, tell you what, let's take one more break. When we come back, we are going to check in on the standings. And I think the spell some narratives about the one seed and Denver's actual margins there. We'll be right back. segment here. Let's do this thing. The standings that matter for the rest of the season are these. Five games left for each of Denver and Memphis, and Denver has a two-game lead on uh, yeah, two-game lead on Memphis. Uh, Fernando actually says, we'll, we'll go to this. Did you see Sham's tweet about the CBA? 65-game minimum to win MVP. Well, let's look at it real quick. Um, 65 games. Um, interesting. I mean, that's a, that's a interesting, that is an interesting thing. Deal includes in-game, in-season tournaments, new limitations on highest spending teams, and expanded opportunities for trades and free agents. Oh God, I am going to, I'm going to have to do a podcast on this. Like there, there's going to have to be a fully separate segment on this stuff. That's going to be really, really interesting. Um, not just the, the 65 game minimum, but I do think that that is a, a good thing. Um, it is like, it's interesting for the individual awards, but, uh, like Embiid will cross the 65 game threshold this year. I don't know if Giannis will though. Those guys are going to be kind of at that threshold. Jokic will not. I think he's currently at what, 67. So he's going to be okay. Uh, actually let's go to it now. Jokic is at 67 games. Joel Embiid is at 62, so he has to play three more. And Giannis, I think, is behind him and is at 61. So, look, it's going to be a thing that helps, I think, credit a lot uh, for a lot of those guys. And, and you're going to get interesting. Like, I, th- I think some of those other cases are going to be like the, it, it's it's going to be weird. I, I've got to think about it. I do have to think about it for sure. Uh, we've got we've got a Suns fan in the chat. Suns Nation, GG though. Y'all bench said something. It was interesting. It was a really interesting game. Um, Peyton Watson, I, I think had had some really fun things to say. 
Uh, and then Zeke Naji, I think, did a really good job against Bismack Biombo, but lots of good stuff there. Um, okay, back on track, back on track. Standings that matter. If you're looking on YouTube, Denver's at 51 and 26, Memphis is at 49 and 28. They have a two game lead, but they also have that tiebreaker. So effectively, Denver has a three game lead in the standings right now. All they have to do is match whatever the Memphis Grizzlies do by two more games. Uh, So right now, the final five games on Denver's calendar, they've got Sunday, uh, April 2nd, they're playing at or versus Golden State at home. Then they go on a three-game road trip at Houston, at Phoenix again, and at Utah. Utah is going to be an interesting one. I wonder if they shut their guys down in that game. Pretty sure that that's their second-to-last game as well. And it would not surprise me if Denver can get easy wins against Houston and Utah. I also think that Sacramento is going to be locked into the three seed when they play their final game. So if Denver needs one more win to clinch the one seed right at the end, then they'll they'll be able to get it. I, I do think that. I think that Sacramento will probably rest all their guys. They're not going to play anybody major. Denver will just get a win if that's the case. But Denver can save themselves a lot of grief if they just win their next three games. Golden State, Houston, Phoenix. If you can do that, then you're in a good place. You're you're in a much better place if you can do that. Um, Golden State's not very good right now. Uh, I did see somebody somebody added me and said that that Giannis was kind of back in the fold there. Or not Giannis, Andrew Wiggins. What am I thinking? Oh, I was just looking at the Bucks box score. Uh, but tonight, Golden State played against San Antonio. They won 130 to 115. Uh, Steph played well. That's not really a surprise. San Antonio's won six games on the road all year. Yes, Denver lost to them one time, but it is what it is. Um, this next game matters. It matters for Golden State, and it matters for Denver. If you go to the standings and see, oops, NBA standings, Golden State right now is in is in the sixth seed. They have a little bit of a cushion over the Lakers, who are now in the seventh somehow. Uh, the Pelicans are tied with them at that 7-8. Minnesota is just behind them. Oklahoma City is just behind them. Uh it looks like those are the four teams that are going to be there, though Dallas could make a run late. Uh, but if Golden State can stay above the play-in mix, then they will be matched up with the Sacramento Kings in a 3-6 matchup, which I think is very comfortable for them. I think that's something that they want. So they will try to fight for that. Golden State could also get up to the five if they so wanted, because they're currently tied with the Clippers for the five. Uh, though the Clippers have, I think, the better head-to-head, if I'm not mistaken. So... That's always going to be a thing there. But for Denver, if they were to win, if they were to win the game against uh, against Golden State, and then they win that game against Houston, obviously they have to try there. If they win those two games, then I think that's going to be enough because the final five games that the Memphis Grizzlies play are against Chicago, Portland, New Orleans, Milwaukee, and OKC. 
four of those five games are going to – actually, three of those five games are definitely going to be against teams that try. Milwaukee, I don't think that they are going to try. But Chicago, they are in position where they could could actually push for a playoff spot. I think that they are going to be the 10 seed. But if they want to push higher and just at least make sure that they are clinching, then they're going to have to stay above the Wizards, although it looks like the Wizards have fallen off of a cliff. And they're probably not going to – be involved in this race. So Memphis has to win against Chicago and against in that back-to-back at New Orleans. That's going to be a tough game because New Orleans is fighting for position themselves. New Orleans is currently in the eighth spot, and there is a drastic difference between being the eight and being the nine. If you are the eighth seed at the end of the season, then you get two chances to get into the playoffs. If you are the nine seed, you lose and you're out. So I think the Pelicans would like to be in the eight or the seven if they possibly can, or higher if they could possibly climb there. Now, they're only one loss behind the Warriors, one loss behind the Clippers for the five six. So it's possible that they could still climb. The Clipper or the Pelicans, we just saw them. They're looking pretty good. They've actually got one of the better point differentials in the entire Western Conference. So it wouldn't surprise me if that was something to happen. But I am curious. I'm curious to see how this breaks down. All of this to say, I think that Denver is okay on this one seed battle. I think that they are going to be okay in as long as Memphis loses at least one more game. And I think that Memphis is going to lose two more games. I do not think that they're going to win that final game against OKC because OKC is going to, like they're going to be fighting for that final play in spot all the way until the end of the season, if I'm not mistaken. So if that's the case, Memphis is probably going to rest in that particular game. Um, it's a road game. They're going on a three-game road trip to end the year. That's a tough place to be. I think that Denver is going to be just fine for this one seed, but they just have to go three and two anyway. So if Denver wins versus Golden State at Houston, and maybe they get some revenge at Phoenix, I mean, that would be cool. Like bring Jokic back in there, bring Murray, Porter, KCP back in there. See if you can get a win against Phoenix when you're at full strength. When they're at full strength, that'd be cool. Do they have to do that? No. They could probably wait. If they get the Golden State and the Houston wins, they probably don't have to show up to Phoenix at all. They could just get those two wins and then win the Utah game the next time. So they can do it. And they don't really have to go too stressful either. Um I think that in general the Nuggets are going to be just fine. I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of angst about Jamal Murray. There's a lot of angst about the Nuggets in general, but I think that the predicted records for Denver, they're going to be at 54 and 28. Memphis is probably at 52 and 30. I have each of the teams being three and two the rest of the way. Um, if Denver has to go higher, then they probably will. If Memphis goes four and one, then maybe Denver goes four and one themselves to try to keep them at arm's length, but. Look, now that they've lost these two games, I do think that they have to really be looking at the standings and trying hard just to guarantee that they will be fine. I think the Jokic will be back this next Sunday. I think that uh, there, there's going to be a lot to discuss if Denver loses at home against Golden State, and they'll have to push pretty hard against Houston. They'll probably have to push hard against Phoenix if they lose versus Golden State. So these games become must-win. There's no doubt about that. But if Denver has to backdoor it, if they have to win against Sacramento at the end of the season, then great. Right now, Sacramento 
has 30 losses. Memphis has 28 losses. I think Memphis has the tiebreaker over them, though, so kind of in the same situation. If Memphis wins all of their games, then Sacramento isn't catching up to them anyway. So I can't imagine that last game against Sacramento really mattering. And Sacramento is very safe at the three seed because the Suns have 35 losses and the Sacramento Kings have 30. Uh, five fewer losses with five games to go. They are guaranteed as long as they get one more win. So they will be a top three seed. Memphis will probably be the two, though, and Denver will probably be the one. They will face one of those teams in the play-in tournament, whether it's the Lakers, the Pelicans, the T-Wolves, the Thunder. Maybe it's the Warriors or the Clippers if they drop, but I don't expect them to. Should be interesting, guys. I I really do think that this race is going to be fascinating, but I'm not worried about Denver specifically. I think that they are going to be just fine, and I think that the Nuggets are playing this right. I think that they are going to be okay. So cue that outro music myself. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, we've got a few folks in the chat just hanging out, and I really appreciate everybody hanging out with me on a night like tonight, where obviously it's not the response that everybody was hoping for after a sucky loss on Thursday, but they still got a good win. Are they, they still got a good moral victory, is what I will call it. So, good stuff. Could be better. Hopefully, they come out with a better performance on Sunday. Should be fun. Everybody, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Hit that like button on the way out. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday for Weekends with Swiper before the Warriors game. Thanks. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.